This is Catherine. And this is Seth. And this is Gloriant United. I actually usually have a really easy time thinking of a story. But for some reason, this week, I had a really hard time thinking about a story of vulnerability. I literally locked myself in a room for an hour and was like, vulnerability! And then after an hour, I was like, this is garbage. <laughs> I don't know. It was like really hard for me. But anyway, um, so in order to sort of inspire myself, I started thinking about the ways that characters in this episode experienced vulnerability. And something that kept coming back to me was uh, the idea of nudity and like exposing your body to someone else. is like a really vulnerable moment mm-hmm. because I think that, you know, everyone has things about their body that they're not super happy with. And, you know, the idea of like exposing that to someone else and the potential that, you know, they might see those. Or it's like a really vulnerable and intimate yeah. moment for sure. I was thinking about, you know, like being being socialized female. Yes. Sorry, this is going to be about being trans. Listen, I tried really hard to make it. Not, I was like, I'm more than just trans. I can find another story. No, didn't happen. Listen, go back to the episode about identity. It's a really important part about my of my identity. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> But so being socialized female, there are always like things about my body that I didn't like or I was unhappy with. And I feel like for a long time, I just chalked that up to like, I don't meet beauty norms and everybody just hates their body, which is a terrifying thing that that is just like a normal thing to think like, ah, well, everybody hates their body, but we can unpack that some other time. But so after I started medically transitioning, like I was on testosterone for a while and I had top surgery, I really started to like come to terms with loving my body. And, and at one point, uh, within, within the last year, someone had reached out to me and was like, Hey, we're looking for, for models, uh, to do like a, like a nude modeling session for this queer figure drawing event that we're trying to start up. And I was like, ah, what the hell? I'll go stand naked in front of some strangers for two hours. And then I was like, oh, I just agreed to stand naked in front of some strangers for two hours. Okay. <laughs> but so that for me, obviously, was a very vulnerable experience because I was naked in front of strangers mm-hmm. for two hours. You know, when you're, I, I feel like when you're naked in the, in the context of being with a partner in, in an intimate scenario, even if it's just like a one night or whatever, when you're, you're like, actively i mean we hope right you're actively choosing to like be in that situation and you're like all right well i know this person and i'm choosing to be naked in front of them or like what it's like you know Mm -hmm. with this it was like i didn't know any of these people i was just going into a room being naked and i was like some people are going to show up and draw my body and for me i mean obviously it was a very vulnerable experience but for me that vulnerability actually really paid off because afterwards you know i like i went around and i was looking at the drawings and i was like whoa this person that you drew is like really beautiful like that's me i'm beautiful <laughs> and like even for a while i feel like for a month after that like i had one of the drawings in my profile picture i was like look at this cute person and so for me i feel like that vulnerability actually really paid off which is not always the case as we'll see in this episode um i think there's there's a lot a lot going on in this episode with vulnerability and sometimes it pays off and sometimes you get punched in the face yeah, I find it interesting that you found something that is, was really um, not stressful, but something that your your uh, body was, you were uncomfortable and you ended up being empowered by it. Yeah. And I think that's a beautiful lesson to take of this. Yeah, totally. Well, I think, I think it's interesting too. I think sometimes when we're exploring these things, some like what I discover is that like something that we think about as a negative a lot of the times is like can be positive thing. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like we think about vulnerability as like like ugh, kind of like stressful negative thing. Yeah. Or like even you know looking through these themes, I think that a lot of times they're things that we think are negative and they discover that like oh like there's a positive spin to it like vulnerability can be a positive thing or like last week we were talking about distraction. Mm-hmm. Um and I think 
like I was saying that my, you know, relationship with distraction is kind of a negative. Like I have a negative association with that word. Whereas for you, like it was a positive thing. And I think that's one of the most interesting things that I'm discovering. <laughs> so uh, before we continue, let's go. We are at 30 second recap. Oh shit. We watched this episode yesterday. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm the one to start. So. Okay. Ready? Yeah. Set. Go. So basically, there's a trial where they film the first year to see who the best, and then uh, Elliot is like super in drama, and Margot loves the power, and Quentin is freaking out, and Penny's kind of a dick, but it's, he's not. And Alice is super smart, and they have to be vulnerable, and it's scary. And meanwhile, Julia meets Katie's mom, where she decides to do uh, to steal Marina's ship because why not? And uh, yeah, that's about it. That's fair. Yay, I beat it it. You win. <laughs> All right. Ready? No. <laughs> Go. Okay, so there's the child and uh, Elliot's Hamlet drama holding up a thing. And uh, yeah, they do some shit. They learn nothing because Dean Fogg created it. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Julia is like being followed and she's like, what the fuck? And then it's Katie's mom, whose name is Hannah. She's like, let's be friends, we're both outcasts. And then they try to do some magic and then uh, Hannah dies. And uh, yeah, that's sad. And uh, trials. They learn nothing. Dean Fogg. <laughs> yeah, I, feel like. I don't agree with that but that we'll unpack this later so uh, i want to start with the first scene of the episode where okay. uh basically quentin realized that penny went to fillory he freaked the fuck out uh-huh. and uh for me this excitement in front of someone that openly mocks you is the best like is is such a vulnerable moment for oh, quentin yeah. oh yeah and I don't know. I like that, like, his fandom, his nerdiness made him so vulnerable, and yet he didn't care. Like, he wanted to, like, freak out in front of Penny because, oh, my God, filler is real. Yeah, I love that moment when you're just like, ah. I don't care about judgment. I need to talk about my fandom. <laughs> but also, I like that even if Quentin made himself super vulnerable and Penny was <laughs> mean to him, that's the first moment Alice protects him. It's her first act of friendship towards Quentin, saying, like, hey, look, he's vulnerable of which is is fandom might help you so she turned a bit like you and your uh your story what ended up being super vulnerable is his strong suit at the end because quentin's knowing of fillory is what saved their ass so many times yeah if he didn't read those books they'd all be dead oh yeah I also think it's it's interesting because there's another moment after, you know, Penny's like, fuck this noise, and he and Katie leave. Alice kind of apologizes, and she says, I bet Fillory got you through a lot as a kid. And Quentin says, yeah, as a kid. And it's so sad. And, but, like, that to me is such a vulnerable moment when someone says something and you're like, yeah. Or, like, you tell a story and someone's like, oh, how old were you? And you're like, it's last year. Yeah. You know? Like, I like that she assumed that, like, oh, yeah. he's Still not into it, which she should know better. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, honestly, for me, that's like a moment where we see like kind of Quentin's heartbreak a bit. Yeah. Mm. I I think that, the, I mean, I think there's a lot with, with Quentin in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also, so what I noticed is, um, you know, later on, he's, before he's abducted for the trials, he's sitting alone in, uh, in the cottage and I just, you know, and there, it's that moment where, like, you know, he hears a noise and he's like, who's that? Like, someone trying to be creepy on, on purpose. purpose. 
such a fucking nerd. Um, and, you know, of course he's like reading. And uh, I just like, it made me think about, it was so like um, par for the course, like stereotypical, like horror movie scene. Yeah. But you know, when you're like alone at home and all of a sudden there's noises and you're like, huh. and I feel like being alone is a very vulnerable thing. Yes. Like when you're alone somewhere, and I don't know. you feel danger. Yeah. Like but, okay. Out. Yeah. We're going to talk about why he... He's like, something's going on. He peers into a hallway and then throws his book like into what, the hallway. What, what did he think would happen? happen? Fucking Quinn. <laughs> but also uh, about uh, the, like Margot kidnapping him and mm. um, then uh, bringing him in with everyone. I feel this whole kidnapping thing and then going mm. outside in their pajama. Mm-hmm. It's just a setup to make them feel vulnerable and weak. Oh, totally. What I think was interesting is what kept coming up for me are moments where you where you felt vulnerable uh, or like when you're not in control of something like are powerless, mm-hmm. you know, which is sort of the same thing. Also, when I was looking up definitions, as I always do, and the one that I liked the best that I felt was more general was something that can be easily like something or someone that could be easily harmed or affected by something bad. Mm-hmm. So this idea that like like we think about like vulnerable populations, right? Like the elderly or children or people with disability, right? We think, you know, but populations where like, you know, oh, it's a vulnerable population. Or even like, if you think about it in terms of like, oh, like certain populations are more vulnerable to a disease, depending on your makeup, right? If there's cancer in my family, I'm more vulnerable to get that. A lot of times where I was seeing that, it was because there was a lack of control, right? You're being kidnapped, you don't have control over that. You're being forced outside, with you know you're not properly dressed you could see everyone's like it's fucking cold it made me think about in college once there was a fire drill while i was in the shower oh my god and i literally went outside i was like really i know what to do in this situation i'm in a towel there is no fire why did you do this to me but like i was just thinking about being barefoot outside like when he's like the pine needles are hurting my feet but like really like when you're not dressed properly for something mm-hmm. That's a really vulnerable moment. I was also even thinking about like when I was in high school and it would be Halloween and we were like allowed to dress up. But I was always like, what if I'm the only one who's dressed up? Uh, we go to this thing that every year is called Broadway Con, mm-hmm. which is kind of Comic Con for Broadway. Yep. It's amazing. And we went to the first Intersectional year. Intersectional nerddom. Yes. And we went to the first year and everyone like cosplay, but like super low key because we were so scared of like, what if I'm the first to cosplay? Yeah. The second year we went all out. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and like, and now people don't care about cosplaying. Everyone cosplay. Not everyone, but a lot of people cosplay. But the first year I remember everyone was like, I want to cosplay, but I'm scared. It's really, I don't know. There was actually sort of a lot of like clothing things that I noticed in this episode like that. The idea of like being underdressed or overdressed somewhere mm-hmm. um, and being like, ah, oh, like that could be really, really vulnerable. But also, um, there's a moment at the end where uh, when they're undressing for the trials and and Alice, you know, has Quentin unbutton her shirt. Mm-hmm. And like the idea of like having clothes that you need someone else to help you in or out of is mm-hmm. really vulnerable. But also, if she needed help getting out of that shirt, how did she get no, into but, it? Like, I, I have those kind of shirts you can get in and get out of it. It's just easier with someone doing it. And also, I think it was a moment of like, I've both of us feel super awkward. Mm-hmm. I'm going to. Like, do that so I can first turn so you don't see me. <laughs> and also, can you help me out of my... That's fair. And uh, also, speaking of them undressing versus super vulnerable, because they were starting to have a thing. Both, oh, yeah. Like, I think that's the first time I understand their arc by starting this episode. They became friends. And they, they were like, okay, there's a thing there. Like, maybe we're more than friends or something. And uh, and them being naked in front of, of another 
help with that. But at the end, Alice wears Quentin's uh, shirt and Quentin is in his boxer. And they, Wait, she's wearing Quentin's shirt? Yeah. Like over her, her shoulder. When, oh, at the end, at the end. Yeah, at the okay, end. Gotcha. And when they... Uh, I was like, they were naked. When they speak of their real truth. And the spell works, so they didn't need to be naked. They made them be naked to be super duper uh, vulnerable. No, they made them be naked so that the geese didn't have clothes on. Well, That's my theory. Well, then Quentin's geese will have boxers. Someone draw that for me, please. <laughs> but I was just imagining, I literally have in my notes, were they just naked so that the geese weren't clothed? Well, I think it was a way of like <laughs> to make bare truth, like bare truth. So like everything's bare, even your body. <laughs> but uh, but I, just, I like the idea of a... I just want this. I, someone please draw everybody as geese with their little outfits on. I want this in my life. <laughs> it's okay if it's you, Catherine. Within that same like sort of abduction-y scene, mm-hmm. um, Anytime you're like caught off guard, there's also other instances of this, but like in the episode, I mean, that's, I don't know, backtrack, but like anytime that you're caught off guard, right? I know for me, for you and I both, like we're, um, because of, I mean, for us, I think it has to do with like disability stuff. Um, but like we plan a lot lot of stuff. So like, you'll like even rehearse or think about like, okay, like my day, especially if you're doing something that's going to be like anxiety broken, be like, okay. So today, like, this is what's going to happen. You'll, like, play it out in your mind. Or, like, for me, like, I'll rehearse even conversations sometimes or interactions. Um, and uh, and also for me, like, planning out, like, what's – like, I literally made a list this morning that was, like, 9 a.m., go to go here. 10 a.m., mm-hmm. do this. 11, like, eat lunch. Like, I schedule everything to the point where, like, it's really important to me to function. And I feel like, you know, for someone like Quentin, I can imagine – like being caught by surprise like that will be anxiety like somebody with anxiety but yeah but just in general the idea that like whenever something happens that you're not expecting i feel like that's really being caught off guard like that is so vulnerable yeah 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 like all these kids are like i just want to take a nap yeah and And no like nope you're outside and then uh, i'd like to talk about the dramatic of it because basically the dean gave the other years uh what they have to do Mm-hmm. But then how they do it, it's up to them. And I'm sure Elliot was like the, the head like, of the Like, you don't think idea. the dean was like, abduct everyone? And like, <laughs> wear clothes and see Quentin's a virgin? No. Are you sure? It's not scripted. <laughs> <laughs> dean Fogg writing that script. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, and I'd like to know why do you think they did that? Because they were already making them vulnerable. Why the parent theatrics of it? Yeah. Because... It's Elliot and Margot. Elliot's like, fine, I'll do it. But only if I get to wear a cape. <laughs> like, I, that's, uh, yeah. That's well, fair. I mean, also, right, that's that. It's another level of, like, the idea of, I mean, I think there's a lot. But one thing is that when you think about, like, the stereotypical, like, initiation, like, fraternity, sorority kind of things, it's always, like, I don't know if this is real life, but at least in movies, it's always like that ritualistic, like everyone's in robes and they like blindfold everyone. Yeah. Or, you know, they're in masks and there's like a candle or some shit. Oh, I like this. Uh, yeah. I like yeah. this comparison. It's yeah. like, I don't know. That's how I always thought about it. Like the sort of fraternity sorority, like initiation thing. So I think a, it's that and B right. It again, it's like hatching them off guard and it's putting them in this place of vulnerable vulnerability where like, this isn't a test that you can prepare for. No. Well, like the first, oh my God, the first, uh, the first test too. It was the made, same thing. It was just like, what? You're in a test now. 
And that makes them so vulnerable too. Yeah. And so I, yeah, I feel like there's something as, as we at some point in this episode break down the actual trials. And I think that that's like, what does vulnerability have to do? Like, is it like with magic? Is it that magic is such like a raw thing? That's like it comes from a place of mm-hmm. like emotion. I don't know. Well, let's do that. Let's uh, let's uh, look at all the three uh, three steps of the trial. First step was to be in a group. Then uh, they have to code a spell that monks or brotherhood kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. had uh, had to hide from the church. First, I'd like to. I, I have this theory that they were placed with someone that made them feel vulnerable. Because mm. Quentin was placed with someone that openly don't like him and mocks him. And that someone that doesn't believe in him yeah. and refused to cheat. And in that moment also, I, I sort of found another example of vulnerability where when they're first meeting and the other... Does that guy even have a name? No. Nope. Other guy at table. Um, <laughs> I want to know how he's credited now. That's my new favorite thing. Guy at table. Um... It says, you know, he says that, that, that like their team name is Horny Chupacabras and Quentin's like all defensive. He's like, I'm not, I don't even know what a Chupacabra is. And the guy's like, it's like, it's this, you're a fucking idiot. And like that vulnerability of admitting you don't know something, like mm-hmm. for me, that's such a huge thing. Yeah, I and like, Quentin for, it doesn't care. Yeah, no. well, I'll, I mean, I think he's just flustered. Like, you know, when you're just like defending yourself and you're like, bleh, bleh. Yeah, I'm yeah, not yeah. that thing. I don't even know what that is. Yeah. Uh. But, you know, because I feel like he is sort of like this smart guy that knows a bunch of shit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think when you're seen, at, especially when you're seen as like kind of a smart person or a person who knows a lot of things, admitting you don't know something it's hard. is so vulnerable. Or like when someone catches you and like, oh, you don't even know what that is. You're like, ah, you know, so I feel like yeah. that is also another, another really vulnerable thing. But yeah, so I, well, we don't know who Alice is with, right? No, we don't know what, don't where the it. other is. Oh, yeah. But I, 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 like, I was like, why did they put him with Penny? That, that was my, my Dean qu- Fogg making the seating arrangements. <laughs> well, I, 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 I'm imagining him with like the wedding planning board moving seats <laughs> around. <laughs> but I, I truly think that they were meant to be with people maybe that they don't work well with mm. or that they are vulnerable. Because, like, yeah. Penny is vulnerable toward Quinn content. Mm-hmm. Because first, there's this whole Fillory thing that, like, Penny gets angry the moment he talks about it because he doesn't. Like, the, the moment Quentin arrives, like, if you talk about Fillory, I'm going to punch you. I mean, they've already beat the shit out of each other. Yeah, but what I mean is... But I mean, like, like they have... There's bad blood. There's bad blood. But, oh. <laughs> but uh, also, Penny don't want to be with Quentin. Like, oh, no. that, like having him there will make him t- feel and think things that he doesn't want to. Mm-hmm. So that will put him in a kind of vulnerable place. And the other, like, he's like, oh, shit, we're with cold water. Yeah. You know, so I, I, I do think they were placed together for a reason. Mm. Um, also, the fact that he has to uncode something that the uh, Brotherhood had to hide from the church makes me think how vulnerable the, the Brotherhood had to feel in order to feel that they had to hide their spell through this code that now is so hard to un- to do to do if you don't have the, the key of it it's a bit like in world wars okay one and two they to be sure that their message wouldn't be read by the other yeah, camp, yeah, yeah. they had they ended up creating this code that only the other could read but i guess i mean why do you feel like that connects to vulnerability i think that they, they don't want to be seen as vulnerable like because they don't want this spell to be taken away from them to be like out of oh the- vulnerable in the sense of like we're vulnerable to attack. Yeah, exactly. Oh, okay. So, okay. so, so there's so many different contexts we use <laughs> vulnerability, and it's so interesting. Yeah. And like, I, I feel for me, this idea of being with people that you're vulnerable with, uncoding something that 
people that felt vulnerable yeah. did. I don't know. I, I find it super yeah. symbolic in this. I don't know for me. Okay. But then we, we look at this task, right? And it's super hard and they, their team can't figure it out. So they're like, oh, we're going to cheat. Okay. And they cheat by having Penny go and he, you know, he astral projects yeah. and, you know, gets the info and goes back and does it. Now, Quentin's really con- only contribution to this is the, is the idea, not the only contribution, but you know, but- he gives the idea. Penny physically does the thing. They get the answers. Yeah. And then the two of them get to stay. And the other guy, yeah. guy at table, Chupacabra man, doesn't get to stay. Yes. And so as a teacher, I'm thinking, okay, what has this taught my students? It's taught my students that I want them to cheat or that, I mean, maybe if we're trying to be, get a little more out of it, maybe that you have to think outside of the box or that you have to, you were saying yesterday, we were talking about this a little bit. We try not to talk about it before the episode, but it came up because when I get, when I talk about pedagogy, I get angry. Yeah. And I had to um, comment that. All of my notes are just fuck Dean Fogg. Like I think it's in everyone. I Probably even in episodes he's not in, <laughs> my notes are just like fuck Dean Fogg. But the idea that you were saying that maybe they had to, you know, Penny used his gift, like used his magic, his discipline in order to figure it out. But Quentin didn't. Okay. I thought of this. So <laughs> I knew you would bring that up. So basically when they were looking at like how to do this, well, uh, mm-hmm. how to decode, I think it's Penny or it's Penny or Quentin that say like, so only geniuses can be magician. Like what the fuck? That, that That's not how it yeah. works. I think it's and it's Penny. It's Penny. Because then Quentin says, do you think, you, yeah. do you mean what you said? Yeah. So, uh, and I think they wanted to see how smart they were, but like they're book smart. They're street smart. Mm. There's like, there's different kind of smartness. Yeah. Or smartitude. Smartitude. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, and I think they just wanted to see what the people will, were, were ready to do in order to solve a problem. Alice, oh. It's a problem. I know how to fix it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to use my brain as, as, as I'm smart. Penny and Quentin, okay, we're not smart enough. How do we do this? Yeah. Meanwhile, the other guy was like, no, I, I play by the rule because they told us that and that's what we do. But I think that that's interesting because to me, that's, that's teaching your students to do whatever it takes to get like whatever the, me- you know, the means to the end is. And then... The bane of Dean Fogg's existence is the fact that they don't follow the rules and they keep doing anything to get to what they need. So you're teaching your students something that you don't, that's an attribute that you don't want them to have. That's how I'm interpreting I, I, I don't think because it as the person who follows the rules, I would be fucking pissed about this. I don't think Fogg hates that they don't follow the rules. It's just as a ruler or as a, a person with like power, it's hard to tame someone that don't follow the rule. And I'm just going to make a side for Trump that we might not put in the podcast, but that's why people hate Trump and, and the White House because he doesn't follow political rules and we don't know what to expect of him. Yeah. I don't know. For me, it's not about following the rules. I, I mean, uh, for me, it's there is not one solution. Yeah, I think that that's a good lesson to teach your, to your students. I don't think that if you if you don't want them to be, to have that kind of mentality of do whatever it takes to like get to an answer, then See, don't put that in there. I, don't, I then, don't think it's do whatever it takes. Is But it was. It's not about do whatever it takes. It, it's you have a power and you have a problem. There is many solutions. How you, can your power help us? Yeah, but like I was saying, it wasn't about the powers because Quentin didn't use his discipline. Nobody he, uses his brain. Yeah, which is not his discipline. He, he said, how, how, what can we do? What does it take? What is it going to take? 
for us to do this. The only way that we're going to do this is if we cheat. Mm-hmm. He did whatever it took mm-hmm. to make that happen. And that was cheating, which is not a great thing to do, right? So, like, well, it 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 talk about uh, that that uh, test in in uh, Star Trek, and I had to explain a bit to you, mm-hmm, which uh, is hilarious because I've seen Star Trek and you haven't. Well, I've seen the new Star Treks. You've seen the movies, excuse yeah. me, and I've only seen um, the old. Uh, Deep Space Nine, just yeah. Deep Space Nine, because it's so good. <laughs> um, but basically, yeah. that test is that. It's an impossible test. It's mm-hmm. meant to make you choose between two lights, and there's no way to save one mm. or the other. And Kirk basically go inside the program and like uh, code something that he can do both. He cheated mm-hmm. in yeah. order, and he's the only pilot that ever succeeded that test because he, he cheated, but also because he thought he thought that there's another way. There's another way. There's always a way for people to survive. There's always a way for a solution mm. to happen. And that, I think that's something Quentin, we're going to see in all the seasons, is all is like, okay, this didn't work. What's the next But one? I think that's very different than just copying someone's answers. He thought of a solution to the problem on his own. Yeah. So to me, I don't know. We can agree to disagree but, here. Yeah. For sure. But yeah, I don't, I, and I'd be interesting to hear what other people think about this because maybe other people have other, have other thoughts about it. But I guess as a rule follower, it's just, it's just, Grinds my gears, as they say. <laughs> so, so then if we're looking at, right, so then the second, actually, you know what, before we hop to that, I want to say something else I noticed in this scene was that it was sort of after they were like, oh, God, time is running out and mm-hmm. all hope is lost. Quentin, and, and we've noticed he does this in other scenes, I'd sort of like to see a compilation now of like when he does this. Oh, I'm thinking about it. It's when he's in the mental institution. He sits in like fetal position with his feet Always. on the chair, but but only when he's in positions of vulnerability. He doesn't just sit like that normally, right? He's like when he's like reading a book or something. He's just like whatever. But when he's in positions of like, oh shit, I can't figure this out. He's like hugging yeah. his legs. He's like in a fetal position. Or when he's in the other time that I can think about it is when he's in the, the mental hospital yeah. that Julia's created in his head. He's like sitting and and once he's like completely lost hope. Yeah. So it's like the further, the closer he gets to losing hope, he like. And, and that's how he is with uh, when uh, Elliot comes seeing him. When? Well, when uh, he looks for if the, the, the solution worked. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Okay. In this scene, in that scene, he's sitting like that and he's just like, ah. Oh, yes. Yeah, so you mean when he's coming to check it, he's like, oh, shit, is this going to work? <laughs> like, like, uh, like, or am I going to lose magic forever? Yeah. You know, so I, I think that's really interesting. And right. Feudal position is definitely like a source of comfort. And like, you yeah. can think about like, you know, I, I think that that's like fetal position is this, you know, like we associate it with like that vulnerability or like, ah, I just want to like curl up into a ball. And so I think that's, that's also interesting the way that we physically manifest vulnerability. Oh, I like that. I never noticed that, but you're right. And like in the sense that I feel like vulnerability is opening up. So I feel like it's almost like closing up. So there's like. Yeah, like I can't be vulnerable. There's well, less surface area, and it's funny because there is something that happened to me is when I feel vulnerable, mm-hmm. I close up. Yeah, and that's something that frustrates my co-host here is <laughs> <laughs> is I will like physically and mentally close up mm-hmm. and not being responsive and anything because I feel vulnerable, and I think that's what Quentin does too. You're right. Second task is after being roofied they wake up in a magic talk about vulnerability uh, they are woken up in a magicless place mm-hmm. where they have an impossible task given to them 
yeah, they have to catch various things or do with a wrong yeah. weapon. Yeah, so like one, like someone has a chop down a tree or take down a tree, and they have, you know, they have. I think Katie has the net. Yes, and she no. Katie has to catch a pheasant, and she has a net, and like so, they all have the wrong tool for whatever thing they're supposed to be doing. Essentially, yes. so to start off with what you were saying, right? Being roofied, being drugged, that's some serious. I mean, yep. right? Or I mean, there's a whole lot to unpack there. But like again, it's like the lack of control, or the lack of any any time. Like I'm even thinking about when I was coming out of anesthesia, or like anytime you're like, Ugh, you're like out of it. Or even, like, not even related to drugs, but when you wake up and you have that moment where you're like, where am I? Because <laughs> I'm thinking of, like, waking up in the woods, I would be like, like that's I, I, such a vulnerable and experience. I don't know. For me, I'm, I'm kind of proud of Quentin because I know uh, first episode like Quentin. not freaking out? Well, yeah. First episode of Quentin <laughs> will have freak out, but his first reflex is to do the it's spell just, to see if there's an illusion. But, yeah, that, that that's how his initial yeah, reaction is. not to be like, oh, I'm in the woods. He's like, God damn it, Margot. And then he's just Yeah, like, he's yeah. like, okay, something happened. And where am I? Like to be fair, he also has the context that he knows the trials are still happening. It's true. If that was the first one, I don't know if he would have reacted. You're like right. That. You're right. Maybe, maybe, and that's why it doesn't feel vulnerable. Yes, because there's a context. Because to... there's a little bit of control. And yeah. Knowledge. Yeah. Mm. And also, uh, Katie, for the first time, uh, for the mm. first time in six episodes, we see her breakdown, and it happened just after she saw her mom, yep. and basically her mom <laughs> asked for help, and she like stop calling me, and just told Julia what she did to her. Yep. And like she panicked the fuck out to a point where when Penny, the guy she loves but don't want to love, <laughs> uh, sees her, she's like, "Let me go, please," and she. Almost break his nose because she has like a panic attack. She has a freaking yeah. panic attack, and like he, she cries in front of Penny. And yeah. about ten minutes before, she lies into his face, saying a fake story about her, her mom, her family. Yep. So like for me, that's the first time we see the real Katie. Yeah. And also that's the moment Penny falls in love with Katie. You can see it in his face when he hugs her. He's like, or ah, like shit. To yeah, like, like ah, man. shit. But also, I feel that's where. That's the first oh. moment I had, like, not sympathy for Katie, but I was like, oh, she's a human being. Like, it affected her more than being mad. Yeah. You know? And, right. like, I, he, I need to be here. Uh, it's life or death. Yeah. Like, for saying that to someone? I, I think that there's a lot there. One thing is, right, a lot to unpack with vulnerability and families. Mm-hmm. Like, being around your parents. Yeah, I feel it, like is the kind of thing that just like, I don't know, in general, I feel like it can be for various reasons. It can be difficult to be around family. Um, and I think that it's a very like, I feel like after I've seen my family, I'm like, but like also, I feel like I'm there. There's also you know? some like someone seeing part of your life that they can see otherwise. Yeah, because like there's a part of you or how you act or how you are when you are around your family that you are not in, in front of others. Yeah. And you see you see that with Alice family with uh quentin's dad what you know like yeah. we see that a lot in the and, and now with hannah how much they are different or there's like we see a glimpse of who they really are with their family and like where the sometime where their trauma come from yeah and also i'd like to point out that okay can you see this girl that usually has like this big wall yeah. and is strong and is powerful break down his, in his arm 
And his first thought was not comforting her, but say, okay, what's your task? What do you have to do? <laughs> He's me in crisis. Well, yeah, basically <laughs> it distracted her because yep. he, he knows that she doesn't want to talk about her vulnerability right now. And he know if I talk about it, she will close down. Yeah. So instead, yeah. I'm just not going to know like it and we're going to talk about it later. So what I also think is interesting, um, you were talking about how earlier she had spun this like fake story about like, oh, yeah. my mom died when I was young. Um, but a couple of things in that scene. One is that in that scene, she's tattooing him, which is an incredibly vulnerable thing to let someone tattoo you. Like, yeah, I went to a professional tattoo artist and I was still like, I don't know. I, what if you mess it up? She's just like some girl he's been banging. But also uh, like when he's getting tattooed is like, his whole chest is open, like his, mm. even his arm is extended, and it's it's like, <laughs> yeah. First, <laughs> it's hot, and second, also it's like him being like his true like self, open. yeah. Yeah, because he, he talks a bit about about himself, and yeah. he's like trying to make her. But he doesn't really actually say anything about himself. No, he tried to make her. But open. what's fun? See, okay, it makes him vulnerable. But though. that's what I think is so funny coming from him this guy who i think we know the least about yep. like canonically within the the show like i think maybe there's been some like within interviews arjun has said some things but like as far as the I actual just, context yeah. of the show he's from know, florida that's what we know right now but not from the show no yeah he said oh, it from, in, he said oh, he it in, okay, okay 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 i'm from florida i know how to catch a fish oh that's okay, how, okay that's okay. all we know right now because also there is some stuff like from the website yeah, 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 that yeah, we yeah. know that's like out. okay so we know that but I think arguably he's the one we know the least about yeah. canonically within the context of the show. And like, so to me, it, it felt so comical that he was like, you never talk about yourself. Tell me some stuff about yourself. I'm like, okay, Florida boy. Maybe yeah, there's like, been off screen, right? Maybe yeah. the implication is that he's told her some stuff, you know, that we haven't seen, but I, like, I just thought that was yeah. kind of like, I'm like, that's rich coming from you, buddy. <laughs> but I, I, I don't know for him. I, what I liked is even if he didn't talk, like his position was vulnerable of being like so yes. open. And um, and also, I don't know if you notice, but when she um, lies, she doesn't look at him. She will look up okay. or on the side or like everywhere but at him. That's really interesting because I actually also had, uh, not in that scene, but in... in um, noticed in the in the scene where they're naked in the third trial yeah um about the eye con eye contact being such a moment of vulnerability with someone like and when we see penny and katie they do like they make eye contact and it's very like my name's like but, focus but but then when we see quentin and alice they do everything to avoid yeah. meeting each other's eyes and i think that that's I don't know. Something about that is really interesting to me. And I think that like, you know, there's, there's a lot of like the eyes are the window to the soul kind of stuff, but like eyes are like a very intimate thing. Like, I think also it's their, um, their, a comfort towards the other being naked in front of them. Yeah. Penny and, and Katie had been yeah, naked in like, front of each other. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They've been sleeping together. So they've saw each That's other. Fair. Meanwhile, uh, Alice and Quentin, they haven't. You know, and Alice just started to open up to Quentin. And now, bang, naked, you know? <laughs> so, I mean, that's fair. So, I, I, and I don't know, I think... Uh, yeah, there's something there. There's something there. But let's go back to, to the, the second task. To the second task. Mm -hmm. So, they all are given, right, the, the wrong tool for their task. And so, they have to communicate and, uh, you know, switch the right tool. A, get the right tool for the right task. And B, pick the correct person to do this, mm -hmm. right? What I think is funny about this is, again, 
Penny, who I would not peg as a great communicator, is the one who's like, we have to communicate with each other, guys. No, Penny is not a great communicator, but he's a smart it's, it's street smart. And I I think with, with having the beast in his head all this year, yeah. he learned to rely on others. I feel like he's a, like, I know how to get shit done kind of person. He's like, all right, this is the best way to get shit done. Yeah. But I just think it's so funny that he's like, it's about communication. We need to communicate. I'm like, when have you uh, ever communicated? It's not really about communication. It's about like teamwork. He literally said, I'm pretty sure he says communication. Okay. Well, I, I would I, have to check that, but I'm... I, I, for me, I think that's because he used to be with the beast in his head so long and the beast gave him so good advice for so long that for him... I'm not asking for real help, but like s- s- maybe seeing that, okay, I might need others for some task might be just second nature for him. I think it's, I think it's less about like, oh, I might need help or I might need it's, and it's more just like, I need to get this shit done. What's the fastest way to get this shit done? Fastest way to get this shit done is for the people who know how to do it to have the right tools and do it. Go. Well, it, I feel it, I feel like it's more like delegating than like. Well, it's a bit like when he um, he he drew the Fillorian crest. Uh, Katie was like, "Oh, what is it? The it's a uh, uh, game of g- game of oh. Thrones bullshit." The first thing he does is he goes to Quentin because he knows that Quentin might have an answer that he doesn't. So for me, I really think that Penny knows that when he doesn't have an answer, someone else might. But then the minute Quentin has an answer, he's like, fuck that, that's dumb, and then leaves. So... Yeah, but then, then he does it. Then then he does it. He does what? Well, like, he said, like, okay, that's dumb, but then he's going he's gonna to go back to Quentin later. Later, but, like, not. But you know what I mean? I think it's interesting that, like, if you're saying his immediate reaction is to be like, oh, yeah, I, like, do need to go to someone for that advice, then, like, why doesn't he? Listen? Because he doesn't know. want to know. He doesn't like the truth he's saying. Mm. Insane. Insane. No, but he doesn't like the truth or the answer he was given. Yeah. You know, like when someone give you a, your, said something about you and you're like, uh, fuck you. Chupacabra. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and like two two days later, you're like, oh, damn it, it was right. But Chupacabra. I think, I, I think that, that's what happened with him. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think that's actually really interesting. But so for me, so I guess when we're breaking down the pedagogy, like what is that teaching you? Again, it's about kind of not following the rules in a way it's like so i'm i mean in in a sense that like i'm saying here's this tool do this thing with it and that's not actually the answer or the goal um i mean i think i i kind of think it's about communication it's about thinking problem solving again sort of like the first task right you have to yes you were told this and given this but like this is not working so like how do we figure out what else can we do See, for me, is they don't have magic in this illusion mm-hmm. land. And illusion land. In illusion land. That sounds like a fun theme park. <laughs> and, uh, All their eyes are invisible. <laughs> but, uh, and uh, I think this is a uh, metaphor for their okay. power. You might have power that is not what you need in order to fix your problem. Mm. You're so deep. I'm just like, it's like I have don't a, catch the fish. It's like I, I have a BA in cinema. <laughs> Ba-a-a-a. Ba-a-a-a. But uh, yeah, and I think I really think like, okay, Penny has being a traveler, but how being a traveler will solve, solve his solution? Maybe not. Quentin mm. is a ma- ma- major mm, man. Okay. So I, I really, really think that it's, it's a, like a metaphor about you have those tools with you, but maybe those tools are not what you need. But with each other, each tool will help you out fixing up. And at the end of the day, that's how they be- defeat the beast. So, in a, But in a way, I mean, I think that boils down to communication. 
Yeah, to, and, and, and also and to like know what that it's not always that you can't always solve a problem on your own. And and the idea of like, I think when you get tunnel vision, yes. of like, like Quentin with that fuck, he's just like fucking shooting and shooting and shooting at exactly. that thing. Uh, and then, it, and then there's another vulnerable moment where Penny like pops up behind him and he's like, Oh, I almost had the fish and like falls over. <laughs> I feel like there's a couple of actually yeah. moments like that. There's also like the moment where during the task, like when Penny is astral projecting, Alice is like, is there someone behind me? Yeah. And, and also when Julia is like, I'm being followed right now. I feel like that, that moment where you're like, something's wrong, like something's happening. Or when someone like, you know, surprises you. Yeah. That's like, a, again, it's like the lack of control or like the surprise of yeah. something. He's like, ah. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think when you get that tunnel vision of like, I need to be doing this. I need to be doing this. This is what I was told to do. I have to do it. It's like, take a step back and be like, is this working? How and and look, problem solving. Yeah, exactly. But I, and I really think that it's also like, okay. Uh, you, your tool your tool isn't always going to be the answer. But also solve. know yeah. each other's tool. Because the yeah. first thing they did is. Communication. Is, yeah. Is say, okay, <laughs> I have this, I have this, I have this. As, okay. What's your task? What's your task? So like. Communication. Exactly. But like, no, but the thing is, if they just. They need to go to therapy. Yeah. That's a magician. I mean. Why don't. Okay. Magicians. Listen. Break bills. Hogwarts. Why don't, why aren't there therapists? That is like, should be the number one. <laughs> These kids are all fucked up. Yep. Anyway, but yeah, I think, so I would say that my, uh, my teacher analysis is that I would say that this is a decent task because we're learning to communicate and to problem solve. Yeah. This is fine. First one, I still think is stupid. I don't think so. Uh, okay. So yeah. Well, I have a BA in teaching and you have a BA in cinema. <laughs> so, you know what? Um, and the last task, which is basically getting naked and say the utmost truth. The idea of, of nudity as vulnerability is very, like, I mean, like I was talking about in the beginning. It's, I think it's always whether or not you're with someone who, like, we were talking about with Penny and Katie, where like, hey, we've seen each other naked, like we've been there before. But it's still an incredibly vulnerable moment for them yeah. because it's not just like, hey, we're like, I think there's this. Someone once said to me, I don't know whether or not this is true, like that when you're like when you're sleeping with someone, if like you're kissing and like you make eye contact, that means like there's something more there besides just sex. And like if you're not doing those things, like then it's kind of just sex. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, like I think about, right, like when you're having sex, like maybe it's like typically, right, it's probably like dark and like you're just like doing your thing and you're not, you're not like, like for them, like standing naked in front of each other and like staring into each other's eyes is, I feel like so much more intimate than having sex. I agree. Yeah. Because it's I like, agree. it's not just like, oh, we're doing the things. And yeah. Like they make a joke of it, like, oh, focus. Uh -huh. But like, yeah. yeah. And, and that's why maybe like they're a bit like shy. Uh, uh, yeah, especially when they're like putting the paint yeah. on each other because it's like a very oh it's like very intimate but and that i don't have an answer and i like maybe your um okay your your thing about that but the first piece of cloth alice removes her panties really yep why really mm -hmm. get it over with <laughs> i don't know that's i did not notice that uh -huh. really yeah <laughs> And I wonder why, because, like, she just said that, oh, the first time she had sex is with her clothes on. So maybe that's just her connection with uh, sex now. Maybe, like, it's, the, uh, it's a way to, like, not be vulnerable. I don't know. There's something there, but I cannot put my finger on it. Don't put your finger on Alice's panties. That's rude. <laughs> um, so something else, actually, within that scene that I thought was interesting is when... A, the idea of like sharing something like that as almost like to combat the vulnerability yeah. 
like making yourself vulnerable in a way. I, I was actually talking about this when I was thinking a lot about what to talk about um, for the story is that I was like, ah, I'm having such a hard time because I'm the kind of person who I will literally like meet you on a train and be like, here's my life story. My dad died. I have ADHD. Uh, I have narcolepsy. Also, my name is Seth. Like, I will just like tell you everything the first five minutes I meet you. And like, I, I think in a way it's like, well, now there's like nothing left to make me vulnerable. You know it all. And so I think sometimes sharing pieces of information is a way to like take control over the vulnerability. Yeah, but I don't know if you remember in one of the episodes you said that uh, Katie had claimed the word bitch for herself. Yeah, so mm -hmm. in exactly the same way. Exactly. It was Marina. Marina, sorry. So when Katie insulted her, she was like, yeah, I know. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think that's the same kind of thing I mean, of, of like, if I tell you that, you cannot mock you me. You can't be like, oh, well, you lost your virginity with your clothes. Yeah, yeah, I just told you that. Dumbass. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So I think it's sort of the same. I think uh, in a way, it's sort of like not fake vulnerability, but it's like, oh, I'm just going to tell you all the things so that you can't make me vulnerable with mm -hmm. them, which I think is, is interesting in the way that like she's like, ah, I'm going to tell you this thing about myself. But also they, <laughs> Alice is like, let's drink. That will make this easier. And I was thinking, does alcohol make you more vulnerable or less vulnerable? I think it, it makes you more vulnerable with the illusion that you're less vulnerable. I agree. You know, and I, like I, when, uh, I was wondering, and um, just now, what what triggered Alice to like say, okay, I need to drink to be less vulnerable ish, and we know that her mom Stephanie drinks a lot mm. and talks shit a lot, but she drinks a lot to like be powerful and have kind of a power over Alice, and maybe that's mm. where she takes that from. This like, okay, that's where if I, I drink, for, like, power. yeah, like if I drink, I won't care what I'm gonna say. Mm. Anyway, that, uh, I'm no, that's that's interesting. I'm not. Yeah, it's true because we don't really think of Alice as like the party girl. No, way. like she's, she's she's the one who's at a party and is like, oh, I don't okay. She drinks a Long Island iced tea. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the fucking point of that task? Okay. Um. So you're naked and vulnerable in front of someone. You get some like face paint on. You're tied up with some ropes. You got to tell your deepest truth, and then you turn into a goose. Mm -hmm. Can you please tell me what the lesson plan? for that is what is that teaching well there we know that they're going and there's no and one of the things sorry one of the things also is that like like margo's like listen there's no like trick or cheat to this you just have to do it yeah okay so. uh well we know that turning into a goose will send them to break bill south honk honk and uh i think that's for me is They're the, that's where they're going to be the most emotionally and physically vulnerable fucking Mayakovsky. Yeah, they're going to be so vulnerable there. Okay. And I think in order to like, <clears throat> it's like a preface, like, okay, you're going to be super vulnerable. You're going to be super raw. Mm -hmm. So if you are not true to yourself from mm -hmm. the beginning, it won't work. Okay. So, and like, that's what happened. Like, basically they were ready to say uh, like, oh yeah, my right. name is William. Oh yeah. When institutionalized, but the really, uh, the real thing is, oh fuck, I'm, I'm in love with you. Oh yeah. fuck! Like I, I, like what I said is a lie. Oh fuck! Uh, I'm I'm scared of myself, and I, I always run. Oh, yeah. I, and the, the thing is, they had to come up. They had to realize something. It's not themselves. about. It's, it wasn't like sharing something like, oh, I know that this is a deep dark secret. It's like a realization. Realizing their yeah. own truth. Ooh, you know, that. and and the thing okay. is, KDD said, oh, I used you. It's all a lie, and that's a lie. But like it wasn't well saying so in my interpretation of that scene, right? Because ropes fall off. So we know that some part of what she said 
mm-hmm. was true. So I think the like, cause she's saying like in the beginning, that's all it was for. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that was the truth. And then her saying like, oh, it was all a lie is not the truth, but she's already said the truth. So that's why the ropes fall off. You know what I mean? I, I agree. I don't think what she, I think she, she, she needed, said. she needed to say it to Penny. That was the, the real thing yeah. for her. But saying like, oh, it's yeah. all a lie. It was her way to protect herself. Cause she's Katie. Well, I also think it's interesting because if they were paired up differently, that truth would be different. I think for some of them, like for Katie, I don't think that truth would have been, I lied to Penny if she was like with Quentin, you know what I mean? But she might have said like, I'm forced to still shit from yeah, Marina. Yeah. But I think it's interesting that it wasn't like, we need to get to this specific truth. Yeah. Like, like the idea that it's like uh, your greatest truth. It's one of your greatest truths. But it, it's not like there's one answer i don't think it. I but i do like the realization aspect of it um i had something else to uh, say. No, you're oh. right it's it's yeah. more it's less of a truth and more of a realization they yeah. use the word truth so people like start to tell yeah, shit about themselves shit. but honestly like it's a bit like therapy at, at yeah. first you see shit that you know and the more you dig yeah. the more you're like oh shit so <laughs> one thing um about when penny penny admits that he's falling in love with katie mm-hmm. Well, A, I think it's really interesting when he admits that he's falling in love with Katie. Katie is like, like she knows what he's about to say. And she's like, mm, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. And like she is so, and she, I think she even starts crying mm-hmm. or like tearing up at least. She's like she's out. getting so vulnerable in that moment. She's like, ah, which is interesting because he's the one making himself vulnerable by saying, I love you. And she's like, Mah. yeah. Um, but I think it's interesting. Penny, you know, admits this to her. He goes to this incredibly vulnerable place and it does not pay off. No. You know, at least immediately. Yeah. Because later on, whatever chocolate bar wrappers you know but in this moment he's like i love you and she's like nope i've actually been tricking you this whole time bye i'm a goose but like so i think it's sort of going back to what i was saying in the beginning vulnerability pays out sometimes and sometimes it punches you in the face and also you said like oh uh, i'm not scared of saying it no in fact i'm freaking scared of saying but again taking control and saying i'm not scared and then he was like wait no i'm scared but saying I'm not scared is like that way. It's like the same thing with the bitch. It's yep. Going back to the bitch. It's yep. like, well, you can't say I'm scared because I said I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> now it's time for ads. Florian United is now proudly affiliated with Blurb, a company that believes in the power of book making, reading, sharing, and selling. You can either publish your photo book, your magazine, or even your own book. We have a special deal for our listener. If you go to bit.ly-blurb35 and you sign up, you get to have 35% off and free shipping. So go there already to print either your favorite memories in a photo book or a magazine or a book. And Don't forget to use the link bit.ly-blurb35 in order to get your 35% up and your free shipping. Coming up this January, a new The Magician D&D podcast is coming up your way. I mean, I feel like the easiest way to sum it up is pretty much it's like Dungeons and Dragons, except instead of dungeons, it's break bills. And instead of dragons, it's um, young adult magicians with questionable mental stability. Dungeons and Dragons, the magicians, gay kids with boots. This podcast has it all. Follow the adventures as four original characters, learn about magic, their specialty, and go on an adventure and learn more about who they are as magicians. There's magic, there's suspense, and maybe even a little bit of a trail in there or not you just have to listen and find out on further than fillery the podcast a dnd style game that explores the world of the magicians tune in and discover magic all of this and even more will be available to you on january 2nd 
And I mean, also there are dragons sometimes, but that's another story. Now we need to go well, to rewind and talk about Julia. So before before we skip to Julia and Katie, Katie, oh my God, to Julia uh, no. and Hannah, they're the same. No, they're not. no. <laughs> um, there were just like a couple of tidbits from here and there that I I don't know I think are worth talking about. One was when it's actually a two for one, um, but when. Margot comes in after the first trial and Quentin is like freaking out because he's Quentin mm-hmm. um, about, about what he's discovered about Fillory. Yep. Margot comes in and the first thing she enters the door saying this. Oh, well, there's a door uh, to a Fillory, Martin. Maybe it's in here. Maybe it's in my panties. But like she like directly quotes the Fillory books. Yeah. Even if, you know, she just she puts her little sexy spin on it. But like that to me is like, oh, even though she's like doing it as this like performance, I'm like, well, that's a vulnerable thing to admit that you know that direct quote from that book. And then later, when you know she gets to the real, you know, she's when she like, that she's like really what's real. bothering you? She's like, shit, you know. And then he's like, well, it's you know, it's like fucked up and whatever. And or when when she says like she's real for a minute, summer breaks through for a minute. Yeah, she's real for a minute. And she says, I loved those books. Yeah, like, I think that's where you see... You can totally tell the difference of the performance and the not performance. I think that's where you see Margot. Yes. That's what, that's not that's not Breakdown Margot, but that's no, real Margot. Like, like, I love those books, and I used like, to pretend I was the ambassador of the Outer yeah. Island, which is so funny, because now she's like, king. <laughs> I know, it's funny. I was thinking, it's so <laughs> funny, because throughout this entire episode, like, as they're finding out Fillory is real, and they're saying shit like that, I'm just like, oh, just wait, you bitches. Um, <laughs> but... But anyway, so I think that we're seeing her vulnerability and actually admitting something true about herself. And I think that that's like, right, when we want others to be vulnerable and open up, we admit something about ourselves. You know, I think it's sort of like, I don't think she was doing it as a tactic, but... You know, I think that but that's it's the sort second of... time that Margot shows up that she's a true friend to Quentin mm. by going to What's him. The first time? Uh, la- last episode when oh, they're... when they're sitting on the stairs, exactly, right, and right, he's right. sad and like she she comforts him, and now she knows he's mopping uh, in his room, being sad about whatever. Moping, mopping is like oh. when you're cleaning with a mop. So he's... I like the idea that he's a little jammed. So he's he's moping. Okay, <laughs> yes. so uh, like Margot knows that he's moping uh, upstairs and he's sad, and she's like, "Look, I'm gonna go there talk about." Fillerin, like, make a joke, then ask him what's up. Yeah. And then, like, something happened, and she didn't yeah. expect it, that the why, the, the why of why he was freaking out. But I think it's the second time yeah. that Margot was there and Elliot wasn't. Mm. But again, I think she's vulnerable because she was caught off guard. That's not what she was expecting to be the answer. Ah. And she breaks for a minute and goes, oh, I loved those. But, like, because she, I think her and Elliot are, like, Giant serious nerds. performers. Yeah. They... I mean, Elliot Wright literally talks about later on, like, creating himself. Like, he's sort of created this persona for himself. And now I don't necessarily think that they're fake, but I think that they put on a performance a lot of the time. And mm-hmm. I think that when we're caught off guard is when we're not like, oh, we didn't write the script for that. Like, you oh, know? that was not even in the back script. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, but so in continuing this scene, uh, you know, Quentin sort of like goes on a little bit of a drunken, like, blah, 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 yeah. uh, word vomit thing. And then he he admits in that that he hates himself. Yeah. And then immediately says, oh, sorry. And I think that's so interesting because obviously that is a terribly vulnerable thing to say, to be like, well, I fucking hate myself. 
And then when we qualify or backtrack with, oh, well, I've been drinking or like, yeah. like I do that sometimes if I say something stupid, I'll be like, oh, I'm tired. <laughs> Cause again, like that's like, oh, I don't, it's vulnerable for me to not know something or, or to have said something, mm-hmm. you know, that people are going to be like, ah, oh, so I'm like, oh, I'm tired. Like we immediately qualify things. Yeah. And I think it's a bit like me. Yeah. And that's something that my therapist works hard on it <laughs> that I say, oh, I know it's stupid, but mm-hmm. we qualify everything. And it's, it's to like lower expectation. Mm-hmm. And I think Quentin is like, oh, I don't mean it uh i'm drunk but <laughs> but yeah also i want to die I hate myself. <laughs> yeah and like that's another like that's why he's, he's, he's true to alice was not i hate myself is i run away from myself yep. it's not hated hatred it's, it's running it's fear and the other the other little thing you know if this isn't doesn't end up panning out to be anything whatever we can cut it but i think in the very very beginning the fact that Penny admits to everyone, like, hey, I'm hearing this girl in a dungeon screaming for help is really vulnerable. Mm-hmm. I mean, to admit that you're hearing voices, period, like, at least in the context of break bills, it's, like, kind of, like, accepted, you know? Mm-hmm. But I think and admitting that and admitting, like, I don't know what to do, I need help, like, mm-hmm. that I'm going to Quentin, I think that that, you know, is an incredibly vulnerable position that he puts himself in. I agree. But anyway, so going back to the trials, the last trial, mm-hmm. the naked, naked trial, um, when there's this moment, like before the trial actually starts and Margo's like, hey, this is what is happening in this trial. She says, oh, you said it before. You have to like say your utmost truth. Yes. And right after that, it cuts to Hannah and Julia doing the spell. Hmm. And I think that that's really interesting. Also, it's an anchor. Mm-hmm. And this is the second time that we've seen a spell with an anchor as the, like, with Penny's tattoo within the same episode. Mm-hmm. And so I'm kind of curious, like, what, is there, like, a connection between mm-hmm. those two? Well, it is moving something from one place to another, so traveling, mm-hmm. but it's doing the opposite. Like, that's stopping him. It's anchoring him to there. And yeah. this is, like, anchoring that thing to another place. So I think it's kind of interesting. I feel like there's a connection there. I don't think that's a coincidence. No, it's not. And I think... It's, For once, I will yeah. say, I don't think it's just because there's the connection where, like, yeah, like, it's moving something from one place to another. Like, it's mm-hmm. moving the um, the files from yes. one place to another. But in Penny's case, it's, like, stopping him yeah. from moving. So, yeah. So it, And there's also the idea of, like, oh, it's it's anchoring that thing to here. Yes. So I think that's, you know, I feel like there's something there. Yeah. Um, I went to, this is the corner where Catherine looking at her symbolism. Bum, bum. <laughs> and um, well, the anchor is a super loaded symbol, <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, it says a few things. First, it's hope. Okay. Uh, which that's interesting. Meh. Uh, well, and uh, also stability, which that makes sense. That, that makes sense, but which is Penny being stable into this world, and Julia and Hannah doing yeah. that. Um, doing the spell in the new place they want to create. They want a stable life. Exactly. Like they're trying to have those Hmm. spells to create a stability from themselves that Marina removed from them. So there's like the physical stability of like, you know, that that we want this thing to end up here. And it's right. Or like Penny, we want him to, he wants to stay in a place, but also the like, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like figurative stability of like, we want a stable life, stable place. And also the anchor means re- 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 rehabilitation, really ability, reliability. Okay. Okay. Mm. Thank you. And it's interesting that it's Katie that tattoos that on pennies because 
She's lying to him. <laughs> she's using him. She's not, not reliable. reliable. <laughs> while drawing the symbol of re- reliability. reliability. So I don't know. I, I think I like the symbolism of mm. like letting someone doing this thing to you while, I don't know. I, yeah. I don't know how to express it. I, and I think it's also interesting because we see Katie's mom at Hannah as this unreliable person, right? Katie at least sees her as this very unreliable person. Um, and so the fact, and right before that, so what I love is that, you know, Margot says you have to expose your utmost truth. And at this point, and we're sort of like jumping forward before we've talked about what's happened before this. But at this point, Julia has said, I don't want you to get involved with this. I'll do it by myself. Yeah. And Julia is essentially about to niff and out, right? She's yeah. trying to do this spell by herself. And, and we, we sort of that. see that, yeah, the shakiness. And Hannah comes in and she's like, absolutely not. I'm going to do this. And they're sort of like, I'm going to help you with this. And they're sort of fighting about it. And, and Hannah comes to this vulnerable place and is like, I want my daughter back. Mm-hmm. And I like right after Margot has been like, you need to expose your utmost truth. Oh. I feel like she breaks down and she's like, I want my daughter back. Like I'm doing that not for me, yeah. but for Katie. And so I like I really and, like the connection. Yeah, and I, I and also um, anchor means safety, mm-hmm. uh, which like they they were t- talking about creating this safe house, but also safety for Katie that she doesn't have to steal shit for Marina anymore, and that she doesn't feel that break bill is life or death for her. Yeah, you know. And also, um, of course, there's the travel analogy that we can talk mm-hmm. with with Penny being a traveler with the cabinet traveling. Mm-hmm. There's also the symbol of resistance. And I adore this for one reason. uh, Julia is resisting Marina. It's like a rebellion for her. It's like, I'm going to take your cabinet. personal vendetta. Yeah, it's like, I'm going to. You know who has new stuff? Marina. (laughs) Exactly. And like, I'm going to take it under her nose. And high school. Fun fact. It's the first time we see Julia using or discipline, which is meta, meta magic. Yeah, meta magic. What does that mean? That uh, she creates new magic. She is inventor what? of spells. She understands. That's dope. She understands what magic is. To I like, don't read books, so I didn't know that. Yeah, Dean Fogg explain it later. In the in the. I don't pay attention <laughs> when Dean Fogg talks because he's an asshole. So I didn't but, know yeah. that. So it's the first time that she, we see her using oh. her discipline, and she used that in order to like resist someone to affirm who she is who she is as a as a magician oh yeah okay it's gonna fire back but the spell freaking work they got the they got the the cabinet i love that i love okay. that wait a minute pause okay the reason again i feel like we're doing this backwards but i don't care the reason they met with katie in the first place is because they needed someone on the inside to do this spell and then katie wouldn't agree and then they did the spell without someone on the inside so she might have rewritten the, the spell I call plot hole. I call Julia being smart. Then show me her writing. (laughs) I don't like it. So let's let's uh, rewind and go to the whole arc with julia because yeah, it's like a- so interesting because i i see that's one of the moments we see julia's vulnerability show the most mm. in the all of the episodes and it starts with her going to the safe house that she said like you suck yeah the one that's in the bar yeah and 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 being so 
angry at them saying uh, like oh i'm gonna uh, oh you're gonna tell me and she breaks thing and then she's like you didn't hear it it's you're not, not gonna see the last of me <laughs> exactly. yeah she puts on and this big persona first it's her hiding her vulnerability mm-hmm. of like i need you guys yeah. and also it explains so much about bullying yeah because like julia is not a bully but the the, the first thing she's like, okay, she's they won't. Being a bully. But she's being a bully right now because she feels vulnerable and they're not giving her what she needs. Like the idea that bullies are people who feel vulnerable and then they like project often and then they project yeah. that. But she do, she breaks. There's one moment where like she's yelling at them and in between this, she's like, I don't know anyone else. Yeah, because she, so like, she realized who she is. She doesn't break down in the level of Katie. She's like, I don't know anyone else. But she's like, she's like, oh, like. I don't know anyone else. Yeah. You know? Like, ah, like I don't have anywhere else to go. And I think that maybe is why the guy, the, the bartender, you know, we don't really know his motivation, but at the end he comes out and he's like, listen, like it was Marina. She's the worst. Like we don't, we don't want any trouble. Like I'm going to, here's like another safe house you can check out, but just like, please don't come back here. Yeah. And like, I think he's like, I don't know. Maybe he just does that from fear. He's like, I don't want this fucking bitch coming around and breaking shit. But I, I think that I it's maybe both. I, I think there's sympathy there. There's a little there. sympathy and a little bit of like, I don't want this bitch coming and breaking my shit. Yeah. Like, I don't want to get on Marina's and bad side. Speaking of, speaking of going to that uh, safe house that happens to be closed mm-hmm. at the end, she knows that she's going to a place where she's going to be vulnerable. She doesn't know where she is. She doesn't know who she's going to meet. Yeah. The first, the first thing that happened when she noticed that Hannah is following her, she she turns and she has paper paper spray. She was ready to defend herself, yeah. so she knew she was in a position of vulnerability, and she prepared herself. Like knowing when you're gonna be the mm-hmm. weakest doesn't mean that you don't have you 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 can you can't do anything. I think that also says a lot about being a woman and or a feminine presenting person in today's day and age that like. I don't think that she got that pepper spray for that encounter. I think she carries around pepper spray because it is dangerous to be feminine presenting person. Well, she, and she just also she, like, uh, like she, like that was not the first time she was like, someone's following me. Ba-bum! And also you know? like a few months before she just got assaulted by Pete. By Pete? Yeah. Well, like, and I don't think, I don't even think that was like new to her. No. You know what I mean? And I think that that says a lot about, you know, I, I don't know when I was, Again, when I was sort of thinking about topics, I was also thinking about, like, as a trans person, how I choose to present myself depending on where I'm going. Like, if I'm going out uh, in a certain neighborhood or if I'm going out after a certain time of day, like, maybe I'm not going to wear a crop top and short shorts as, like, you know, a person who um, is, like, gender nonconforming, right? Like, I like, remember and, and when we went to that um, to that uh, game night, you were like, oh, we're going to be with queers. I can uh, wear queer. I can wear my queer stuff. And, I, and, like, for me, I was like, what? Yeah. Because I'm just used of, of you, like wearing whatever you want but for me wearing stuff is not a problem or something i think about but even like right as as a woman though there are certain things that like if you wear a crop top like you know you're gonna get catcalled like you get catcalled yeah i think that there's also something about vulnerability and how you choose to present yourself Mm -hmm. and also the idea that like just your existence as a woman your existence as like a my any kind of minority population to some extent makes you vulnerable. And being in Hedgewitch is a minority, yeah. technically. Yeah. So but but also the vulnerability of like when you feel like someone's following you and you're like, who's there? And like yeah. again, her taking control of that situation by being like, I got pepper spray, bitch. Yeah. Like I'm gonna, you know, it's I feel like that's how it, there's a lot of like control here. And it's the idea of how do I turn that vulnerability mm-hmm. and how do I become the person making someone else vulnerable. Mm-hmm. 
It's like a power dynamic. And, and the, Anna's reaction to that is to show that her, her tattoos yeah, are X out. She says we're the same. Yeah, are X out. And yeah. that X is a sign of not belonging, of making you feel vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Because basically, Marina, what she did with that is saying you don't belong. No. Is saying you are not worth even being a hedge witch. And this is a physical manifestation and a physical reminder that you are worthless. Exactly. And that you don't belong. And it's it's yeah. like, it's a scar. During uh, World War II, when the Jews were forced to wear the star, yes, Star of David, um, in a way that's like there is a physical thing that I can look at you and be like, you are other. Well, and and even you know? those 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 people were other in others because the, the 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 LGBT people in the the concentration camp had either a, a, a pink or a blue uh, triangle on them, saying like that guy is a Jew and gay. Okay, so you're gonna round up people and murder them and enforce gender binary colors at the same no but it, fucking Nazis no but did you know that before uh, it, they put they put pink on, on uh, yeah at, it was opposite yeah like, like they put pink on I've read the BuzzFeed article <laughs> uh, I, I've made a, a research on it yeah, me, too, me too me too but they, they put that that pink and that's why it got feminized it's because mm. of the concentration camp but it was used on Nazis gay Jews ruin everything, everything. and uh, but yeah and I think that it was it's like othering people yeah I, but I, I think definitely when it's like something physical that you can't get rid of, that is like an extra level of othering. And like, I don't like to continue on that uh, topic of um, <laughs> the Holocaust, but I think that's where our brain goes right now with the political we, uh, political climate. Currently. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but there, I, I, I saw this uh, article or this, I know it was a, a video where two people uh, from the concentration camp met in like mm-hmm. a old, old person house and they oh. had each other uh, like the a tattoo and they were right next to one another like he had the yeah. the, 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 the other yeah. like it was uh, 244 and 243 or something yeah, something close. like that so and they were like oh my god we had the same experience and they never met each other like they just realized that one day because they were at a they just happened to be in the same old folks home yeah. that's ridiculous yeah and and like the the, the they they were at cohabiting for a long time together without because they, they don't talk about this yeah. and one time uh, it came out for some reason i think it was like veterans day or something like mm-hmm. that and someone was like yeah i'm tattooed and the other was like yeah me too and they looked and they were like holy shit wow and they ended up bonding over that and they, it was two per- pe- person that were kind of alone without family and they ended up bonding over their otherness their hurt their their memories and i think that's yeah. what happened with julia and marina the yeah. memory of like it's like no one else can know what i have been through except someone who has been through this and even like right to some extent you don't necessarily have the same experience but like no one else could even possibly get close yeah exactly there yeah. is a bond that happened when you live when you the tra- same traumatic events well I, yeah i think it's 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 kind of funny because like my my friends and I all joke it's like very coincidental but like all of my close friend we all have our fathers have all passed away um and we like jokingly uh refer to it as the dead dads club but it's like, we have t-shirts um but uh it, you know it's it's that level of like Right. It's not like, oh, you have a dead dad. Great. Let's be friends. But it's like at some level, it's like, wow, like I wonder if like we're able to have that deep level of connection because we have this shared mm-hmm. hurt and this shared experience, even though all of our stories are wildly different. Of and and I think fathers, that, that's but, a bit what yeah. happened with um, 
Quentin and the others at Breakbills, they mm. all have a, a shared pain. It's not the same pain, mm. but they all hurt. Yeah. And that's why they ended up bound, bonding. It's because like... Even though they're so different. Even if they're so yeah. different, they know. They know, like, they know. If someone, I think you told me, I don't remember, but someone asked me like, why do people that are more woke or go to therapy have to be traumatized to go there? I feel like we were talking about yeah. this. Just sort of not like... It's just sort of like the, you know, that there's definitely an overlap in, um, in communities of, especially I talk about it a lot with like, uh, queer people and, um, you know, being aware of mental health, mm -hmm. even if you don't necessarily suffer from mental health things, but like being, and being woke in general with it, you know, and then the idea that, right, like a lot of queer folks obviously have experienced trauma just by like existing yeah and i think that's yeah. that and that's why i feel i wouldn't be so understand if it was people that wouldn't have some kind of relationship to mental health yeah wow that got deep hannah said to uh to uh julia like You're the real deal. Mm. And you're a strong girl. And like, Hannah has a, such a good reading on Julia. Like, I feel yeah. she knows she shouldn't be a hedge witch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like she's she's like, almost like, something is wrong here. Yeah. And, and like, she even said, like, can you go uh, colder? Like, she pushes her yeah. to be... I feel like she's mothering through yeah. Julia. She's like, you're my second chance. Yeah. And also, but also, it's, it's, it's not true, like, um, um, being patronizing. No, Because no. even like when she, she said like, oh, I broke your wall. Next time use this. Yeah. And Julia is like, oh, thank you. Yeah, I still like, don't. Your wall sucks. Exactly. You're it's like, hey, your wall, we're not strong enough. Use yeah. this. And I don't know. I, I, there's something about that that I like about Hannah that she was able to. I liked her. And she just saw Julia freak out. She didn't saw Julia cast anything. And she was like, there's something with this girl. Yeah. She just saw her flip out. That's true. She didn't like why. Well, I think that she, right, Julia pretty much said that she was cast out so i think hannah's like and maybe like oh if that bartender if he's so afraid of her she must have done something you know what yeah. i mean but also i think that there's like hannah shows so much vulnerability in this episode even just by approaching julia in the first place she like yep i mean i feel like she's following the, her there because she's like ah uh, how do i even just be like me too you know it's like you know that moment where you're like ah uh, how do i just walk up like even sometimes like i'll see someone It's sort of in the opposite way. Like I'll see someone who has, let's say maybe they have a pin on that's like a fandom that I like, or like says something about them being queer. And I want to just be like, I like your thing. Me too. But I'm like, but then I'm creepy. Or I'll yeah. be like, I see your Hufflepuff hat. Me too. That's easier because they're Hufflepuff. So I know they'll be nice. But you know, I think it's, it's really hard. And there's that moment where you're like, okay, what am I going to say? And I feel like she's kind of following her to like build up. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it just gets too far and you're like, well, now I'm being creepy. And I'm like stalking this person for an hour train ride upstate new york yeah. but it's like ah i'm just and so i think I, that's honestly, really vulnerable I'm, it's, it's yeah. sad that we don't get to explore her more yeah, yeah. I, i i never understood hannah's arc yeah. until then because i feel julia would have been such a good student to 
Yeah, they would have been so good for each other. Oh, yeah. And I feel Marina oh. took that from I want, Julia like, again. Supernatural, but with the two of them traveling and, like, around the country. And someone write this, please. But the two of them traveling around the country in a little car, like, it, going to going to other hedge witches and, like, like solving mysteries. <laughs> I, like, yeah. I, like, I think they would have been so cute. Yeah. Oh, and we wouldn't even have to deal with her in our And also, this like, could have solved a lot of problems. J- Julia asked, like, oh, um... What like what's the price? And she's just like do some with me. Like oh, she's so vulnerable in that moment. She's just like like she breaks. Like you, she's just like just do some with me. Like I miss and the like feeling. I know it was supposed to be a like a kind of a um like a junkie. Yeah, a junkie like with drugs, no, but it's it I wasn't that. I it, didn't feel that. No, it, it's it, like I know we should read it that way, but honestly, it was more of of a I used to love magic. And Marina made it this horrible thing. Well, I mean, she was saying, you know, back in the olden days, you know, it used to really be a family. And then Marina took over and just, you know, made it like the mafia. Yeah. You know, but but also I think what we were talking about when Hannah does expose her, um, I was about to say scars. That's really interesting. Her tattoos. Mm -hmm. That's also a really vulnerable moment, too, because she is just guessing. Yeah. I mean, with good evidence, like some good supporting evidence based on what she said in the bar. But she's really just banking on a bet yep. that she also has been exiled. So, like, being like, I'm just like you. Again, that's opening up the vulnerability for Julia to be like, fuck you talking about? Yeah. I don't, you know and, I mean? uh, and, like, even, like, later when Julia says, like, I don't want your help. You're, you, you can be dangerous. Mm. And Hannah said, please. Oh, she used her please and thank you. I, I, just, I just feel that. Hannah was not vulnerable with Katie and she trying to yeah. buy forgiveness from Katie by helping Julia. Julia. And I'm proving like I can be because at this be point, right, mom. Katie won't let her in to, mm-hmm. to get, have a second chance. So she's like taking that second chance with Julia. And like, yeah, yeah. And I, I also think that what you were saying before, the fact that she's sharing all the spells that she has incredibly vulnerable, like this is everything I have. I don't even want anything for it. Like, I just want to do magic. Yeah. And so actually talking about Katie. So, right, when they get to the point where they have this plan of how they want to steal Marina shit. uh, And Hannah's like, I know somebody. And they're like at a diner or whatever. And Katie shows up. And first of all, what I think is interesting is that Katie and Julia, immediately their walls go up. Yep. They were like, oh, this is this is your daughter like are you fucking kidding me and the both of them are like throwing you know insults kind of back at one another and but immediately you can see even just like in the posture they're yeah. like like yeah. they're so their walls are so high up and and then you know hannah is trying to like be like listen like i'm not you know i'm really trying to like turn my shit around and katie outs hannah's past without yeah. her permission yeah. and uh, you know and i you know of course like I was thinking about times where like people outed me and I was like, oh, like I, I didn't necessarily want you to tell this whole room of people I was trans, but okay, we're there now. And so, I, and like that, again, it's a power, yeah. like you are completely stripping that person of their own yeah, sto- but I, like ability yeah. to tell their story. And I feel like that's like when all of a sudden someone, or even right, like if, uh, let's say I told you a secret, whatever. And then you told someone else. And I was like, I didn't give you permission to tell someone yeah. else that. That was between us. And that idea of like, wow, you've taken, mm-hmm. you know. But, uh, I don't and, know. Uh, 
that's because like Kitty came there and she knew like she wouldn't want to see her mom and she's gonna oh, yeah. be pissed. And then she see Julia and and she feel exposed and vulnerable. It's the surprise again. Yeah. I'm feeling like it's always when something's yeah. happening that you're and not expecting and first, you don't have control. The first thing she does, she insults Julia yep. and then to she take ha- power. And then she helps her mom. That that's a way for her not to feel vulnerable and say, "Hey, look this." Put it on look, someone else. Exactly. Put it on someone. The shining that yeah. Yeah. So I I really think that the way to for Katie to show to avoid our vulnerability is to push away. And again, I think it's uh, it connects back to bullying. Yep. It's like I I feel vulnerable about something, so I am going to highlight someone else's yep. vulnerability, and then we're all going to laugh at that, and you're not going to see this thing that I hate about myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm thinking about Cyrano because we recently saw a production of Cyrano. And for those of you who don't know the plot, it's pretty much just he's got a really big nose and he compensates by just like killing people and shit. And there's women involved and whatever. That's actually not the plot at all. But it's not the that's, plot at all. But that's the part that I want to talk about. So that's what I'm going to tell you. But like he's super self-conscious about the fact that he feels like he's ugly because he has a big nose. And he like demonstrates that. But like if you say anything about his nose, it's just like, oh, I'm going to murder you now. Fight me, duel me. But also, there is this long monologue where it say, "Oh, you said my nose was big. Why didn't you say it looked like a rock or it looked like?" And it's like all the answers he ever got. Yeah, he retell them saying like, "Oh, you should have said that or or that." But or again, that. it's taking control. Yep. It's he's like, "Oh, I can tell you a bunch of ways to insult my nose." You know. So yeah, I just I think about how we use that. We, you know, we take control over the things that we don't like mm-hmm. or that you know when we're in those situations of vulnerability we want to just like yep. take control over it um so the within this whole hannah julia arc the sort of last thing that i had was at the very end right hannah comes in sort of going back to where we started hannah comes in and she's like let me help you with this and julia's like nah man and she's like and hannah finally comes to this vulnerable i mean She's been pretty vulnerable the whole time. But again, I feel like comes to this truth that's like, I just want my daughter back. I want a chance to get my daughter back. And I don't, I, honestly, I didn't write down any quotes that Julia said, but she also has some vulnerability in this. Mm-hmm. Like she, she opens up in this moment, okay? By letting herself open up and by letting Hannah help with this, Hannah dies. Yeah. And again, going back to that, it does not always pay off mm-hmm. to be vulnerable. And yeah, I don't know. Like that to me, it feels like what, I mean, a, very, a more severe version of what happened with Penny. Penny's like, I love you. And she's like, I've been lying to you this whole time. Yeah, you, you didn't die of it. Yeah, it's like when you, I don't know. I don't even know where I'm going with this, but that idea that it, it's like vulnerability isn't, it doesn't always have a set outcome. Yeah. Being vulnerable doesn't mean it, it's going to be good or bad. You just got to hope that it's going to be good. And I think that's the scariest part about it is you don't, again, you're, vulnerability itself is not knowing what's going to happen like you're in a position where you're like you're being surprised or you don't you know you're caught off guard and then you are further putting yourself yeah in a position of like well especially when it's like that kind of vulnerable situation where you're like well now i'm sharing something with you and i have no idea how you're going to react yeah or what's going to happen because of this action you know Mm -hmm. like yeah and i yeah for me that's like i feel like the root of it is this powerlessness and this like this power play and like this um uh control aspect okay um so it is time now for the vase and the flower oh yeah 
we were back in the day watching a production of Cyrano, uh-huh. you know, uh, and you liked the production, you would throw some flowers at the performer, you know, mm-hmm. nice. If you didn't like the, you know, performer production, you would throw the vase <laughs> at the performers. And my, my favorite side character is the, the potter, yeah. who is like the cabbage guy going, my vases! Yep. She just spent all day. She's very upset about it. Also, <laughs> I like the idea that everyone is coming to the production with a vase full of flowers, just like ready. Anyway, so, so we interpret that by picking a, a one character, an episode that we want to give our, our flower, our rose. Sometimes mm-hmm. I refer to it as a rose. I don't know why. Because I'm the bachelor. bachelor. Yeah. It's me, the bachelor. Um, but so we pick one character who, you know, we like what they did or, or whatever. Uh, we give a, uh, we throw the vase at someone that we didn't like. Mm-hmm. Someone did some, some shady shit. Yep. Okay. So I am cheating and I have two for my flower. So I couldn't decide. But one is a minor character and doesn't really count as a person. So I feel like it's okay. So I, um, I want to give my flower actually to Katie because as much as like we know Hannah, right? I mean, we've seen her in one episode. So all we know is what Katie said about her and minimally and what we've seen of her in this episode. And right in this episode, she's like a lovely person who's trying to get her shit together and cares about her daughter. But we can imagine that she's not always been that way and that she's done a lot to hurt Katie, you know, and she sort of has this like drug addict pattern mm-hmm. of, of dealing with magic. And she's essentially, you know, sold her child into marina slavery mm-hmm. the worst kind well that's arguable um but yeah she sold her child into marina slavery and so i actually think it's amazing that after all of this like katie is like no like i have decided to cut you out of my life to tell people you're dead you've done you've hurt me this many times and i'm not gonna allow you to hurt me again and i actually think that that like takes a lot to, to be, you know, to not let someone who you feel is being abusive to you in your life back in your life. Mm-hmm. Just like, I- I've had enough of your shit. It sounds like she's given her multiple seconds, you know, multiple chances. Mm-hmm. And this is a pattern and she's been not allowing her in, you know, in the sense that like I'm watching this episode and I'm like, oh, I wish that like they could make amends. But from Katie's perspective, I actually really appreciate that she's like, nah, man. I also want to give a tiny flower to Chupacabra guy for just following the rules and not cheating. Good on you. I don't think it's fair that you get uh, thrown out of school for that. But I, I, I think that it takes yeah. a lot to like be like, shit, I'm not going to be able to do this, but I'm going to stick to the rules and I'm not going to cheat or steal or do, you know, mm-hmm. whatever it takes to get my, I, I, I commend you Chupacabra guy. Um, so, and I would like to throw my vase right in Marina's face because she is just the worst. Mm-hmm. She is like, how many people have died or been ostracized? And then like, uh, even arguably, we can say that what ends up, not even arguably, what ends up happening to Julia with Bernard is because of Marina, because Marina threw her out, Yeah, you know? And so I, I mean, no one deserves what ends up happening to no. Marina, but also that's her own damn fault. If she would have not been such a jerk in the first place, that situation wouldn't have even been there for her to clean up. Yep. So yeah, Marina, I'm sorry that you are very damaged and have clearly had a very sad life. That's led you to act like this. You bully. We now know you're hiding your vulnerabilities, mm-hmm. but like that. It's not an excuse. No, it's not an excuse to treat people like this. vase in your face. I will go my, uh, give my flower to Hannah uh, Good. because uh, 
yes, she did a lot of bad things that <clears throat> led Katie to need to put, take her out, but she's trying. And we see that it's not like, oh, I'm going to be better tomorrow. Yeah. She really is trying. And, and maybe she's projecting with Julia and maybe she's doing anything wrong. But the fact that she tried to amend with her daughter, it's not something everyone do. No. And if she's willing to change for her daughter, yes. I want to give you a flower, Anna, because you didn't deserve your faith just because you were trying. You can put it on her grave. If she even has one. Oh my god, I'm sad now. <laughs> Sorry. I want to give my vase to Elliot. Mm-hmm. Because... He's a dramatic motherfucker. No, um, because he is not there for Quentin. And we say, like, and the more the season goes, he calls him a brother of heart. Yeah. But right now, like, he knows that he's putting Quentin in something that gives anxiety. Yeah. He, he knows, because Margot knows that, like, He's not well right now. Mm-hmm. And the only thing we see him do is eat pickle, uh, dill pickle, uh, eat sandwiches, yeah. uh, be a dramatic, and laugh when uh, Quentin kind of believed like one of, of his tasks with Margot and like about blowing the horses. But he wasn't there for Quentin yeah. like Margot was. And I don't know, like I want to believe that Elliot sent Margot, but I don't think he did. No, I think he's too caught up in himself right now. Yeah. Um, I think it's still like kind of the beginning of the school year and he's too busy with his persona and hiding. Yeah. But and I think I, in a way that's his vulnerability. Yeah. He's but I, I just. With capes. Yeah. <laughs> but I just wish uh, it was there for Quentin because yeah. they're soulmate. You I, just don't know yet. <laughs> I, well, I also think that with, with Elliot, I sort of found as I was going through my notes, I was like, man, none of this has had to do with Elliot yet. No. Like we haven't really seen him. He's been there, but we haven't seen him. No. Which I think is kind of like, hmm. We're going to see him. He almost feels like a side character in these first couple episodes. Oh, yeah. It's only in episode eight where with Mike that it's going to be like. Oh, that it becomes real. Yeah. And mm. and uh, that's because he's breakdown. But, um, yeah, I just, Elliot, please be nice to Quentin. He's my baby. very much for listening to this sixth episode of Philorian United. We want to thank once again Harry Potter and the Sacred Text as well as Spirit Podcast for being the mentor and inspiration for the show. We also couldn't make this episode possible with our patrons Elliot and Salem and all of the others that apply to be a Foo Fighters at our Patreon, patreon.com dash United. You can find us on Tumblr and Facebook at Philorian United and you can always reach to us on Twitter with the handle at Philorian. Please review us on iTunes. Your review will help others find us. And of course, if you have any thoughts, inquiries, haikus, desire to control the world, you can always send us an email at philorianunited at gmail.com. If the vocal message is less than two minutes, we might put it at the end of the show and answer to it. Once again, we want to thank you to be with us in this crazy adventure and we will see each other for the seventh episode under the theme of isolation. Goodbye! But what if I made chicken noises? Ha <laughs> <laughs>